right, we are back. It has been a little while since you and I have gotten on to record. We ended up taking a week uh, off, right? A week, a, an extra week off. Um, and I'll tell you, I, um, in the meantime, and I touched upon it earlier this week, I'm debating what I want to do with the intro song because, like, I'm having some ethical concerns about how long I let that run. Um, without, you know, like, I don't know how ethical it is to use somebody else's creative stuff and um, I think not pay for so, it. Yeah. The, I've worked a little bit with this, like, in my for my like career like um, ooh look at you i have a career <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so i have a little bit of expertise and when it comes to tv production and and content creation yeah you know, like i there's a certain amount of a song you're allowed to play i mean it's not very long um like I think it might be under like a couple bars of the song. Yeah. Like it's not long. It's like, not long, right. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's kind of what I'm ethically we don't really like look, I'm not we're not making any money. So like correct. It's not yeah, like I'm not... making money off of someone else's content, but nonetheless, even so it's someone else created it, you know, like and I'm not paying for it, you know. Yeah, so, I mean there's something to be said like if you were making money, off that would of be this. that would be a little yeah. different. Um, but if you guys listen and you like the 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 intro song from some episodes ago, the name of the band is Ghost. Um, they are, um, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, they're a very theatric band, but they make some catchy like songs that sometimes have like an eighties like vibe to them. They're they're kind of interesting, um, like a, almost like a little bit of a modern day like Nine Inch Nails slash like Rob Zombie ish, right? Um, so I the least I can do is give them some promotion. If you like the beginning parts of of that, so I'm not going to use it. I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do. I'm not going to use what I've been doing. But if you liked the sound that you heard in that intro song, name of the band is Ghost. I well, think I mean, that, uh, like, yeah, I mean, at least giving them, them a plug is something, right? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not making, again, like, it's not like I've made money off of their content, but they created the song. They're a very big band. It's not like I discovered them. It's not like, you know, like, yeah. they're very big. They tour. They sell out stadiums. Um, just, it's still, you know, you have to be, when you're creating content, you wouldn't want someone else to take your content for free, regardless of they're making money, without yeah. at least acknowledging where it came from. Sure. Yeah, you got to give credit. Yep. Right. So on those kind of notes, we talked about the last time we recorded, we talked about doing a rewatch of Game of Thrones. Um, and I have now, since we last recorded, watched the first three episodes of the first season. And I watched the first two. I didn't get to episode three. So we're in the pretty close to the same spot. You're right. And one thing that struck me, I guess, like one thing I text you was when you're rewatching, you forget how much your opinions on characters changed through through six seasons of a show. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. And 
um, I would say like hindsight, right? Like well, now you can see the foreshadowing better, right? Um, but like Jamie Lannister, I remember the fir- my first watch through my like the first watch, I did not like him, um, in the early seasons, and I could say I can see why. But when I watch him now with the appreciation of the character he became, I actually don't hate him the same way I did my first watch through, like in the beginning. No, like he does a couple things that like are horrible. Redeeming, right? Yeah, he does some redeeming things later and he goes through his own journey. But like, I also appreciate like he's got a lot of really good comebacks, you know, like um, obviously a very arrogant character in the beginning right um but he has some really really good comebacks um that i appreciate more than my original watch through when i just didn't like them you know like that original first watch through when you you know like you're if you're doing like the traditional like like a gladiator like the like the russell crowe gladiator where it's like a very cheer for the good guy boo the villain movie like this the 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 comparison would be like Ned Stark is like the very cheer for the good guy. He's always making the ethical and right decision, even if it causes him pain. Mm-hmm. And I think I actually enjoy that character. Like I like that character, but I actually, you know, you see the flaws more that second watch through as well. I would say, like for me, I, I didn't realize like like even in the first episode how much they set up the characters within one hour yeah Um, and remember that hour you're not even getting that much character of each character like that first episode they do a lot of character setup but you're only spending like minutes right with some of these characters yes um yeah you're you're like learning basically yeah like a couple minutes on each of these like characters that kind of live on for the remainder of the of the series like um like i was like kind of really impressed by the first episode and then even more so like the second episode where you know like Lady Stark kind of figures out you know yeah, she's like, hip to what's going on pretty quick yeah and you which leads you to like the viewer to be like alright well alright the Lannisters are not a good group of people right um they seek power and they keep power through you know just being treachery and ruthlessness correct yes um what and another thing that really stood out to me was all right so like you're introduced to Jon Snow right and the whole thing is like he's a 
a bastard and like I Lady Stark every time she sees him just reminds her of Ned being like unfaithful, which she never was. Like which is like the spoiler kind of, spoiler alert. Yeah, which is like yeah, sorry. <laughs> which he which is like when I rewatch that, like I'm like I feel like sad for him. For Jon Snow, yeah. yeah. But it's also what makes him you know, like such a likable character. Right. You know, it's why you root for him so strongly. Especially, you know, like early on, you're really finding yourself really rooting and wanting more screen time for that character. But in reality, like, I'm like, why? Like, he should not be like a good guy, right? Like, I, I don't, and, and like, because I just watched this episode, and again, like, the hindsight of so Ned says to basically Jon Snow says to Ned because he's heading towards the Night's Watch he says like basically what do you think my mother would think of this right yep and Ned says to him like next time I see you like I'm going to explain to you your mother your mother all yeah. right well we know like they never see each other again Right. right. Another spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> Damn um, you. And like, I just never picked up on that throughout this the series. Like, how important that is. Yeah. Um, like, you don't really. And again, we're we're gonna rewatch this show. Like, I just don't remember. Like, just well, that whole dynamic of, like, what makes Jon Snow Jon Snow? Like, and and the whole idea that Ned kept this kind of, like, secret from his own wife and, from, like, I mean, just knowing that, I don't know, like, to make you feel different about better it. for me, right? Like, it, just uh, that well, dynamic. Yes. Well, and think about it. He's he's taking the hatred of his wife to make sure that his friend doesn't kill this this boy. You know, like Jon Snow is a young man as we meet him. But he's taking the, the scorn of his wife to hide this secret because if um, if uh, what's his name? Baratheon mm-hmm. were to discover that this was the child of of spoiler alert Rhaegar Targaryen and um Lyanna Stark he would have killed that kid right that child would not have survived and we get a hint at that like we don't know who like we get a hint of how not even a hint it's pretty straightforward of how the king feels about any Targaryen um very quickly he's he's he hears about Daenerys Targaryen and he wants to have her killed and in the book she's much younger obviously than she is as played by um, Amelia Clark but 
nonetheless, you he's like, oh, I, 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 I'd kill any Targaryen basically at any age. Yeah, like he, he's also, you can see that he's a bit nervous that, you know, he he hears of this like grand army being like assembled with the Dothraki and. You know, Ned is basically like talking him off the ledge. Like, what do you got to worry about? You know, yeah, like they they don't sail. They can't get here. Stop. Yeah, yeah. All all the while, like this whole grand scheme is being hatched behind his back with the Lannisters, right? Like, well, he's right. He's worrying this whole time about a foreign problem, and the problem is the calls are coming from inside the house. Yeah. You know, and there's hints of it, right? Obviously, we know about the affair between the brother and sister, and there's not m- many hints of just who um, Littlefinger is, Peter Baelish, but we know that he's manipulative and, and cannot conniving because he's got um, Catelyn Stark hiding in a whorehouse, you know, like, and, and calls Ned there. Right. You know, like, without really much explanation. So, like, we know that he's a conniving and, and manipulator, um, but we don't know how deep that runs yet either. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, the reason why we're doing this too, this like rewatch, is because, like, we know how the show ends, and it wasn't. It wasn't a strong ending. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. But this show like needs to be appreciated as one of the probably top ten shows of the all pre- time. The right? premiere. Like, sh- you don't get to be the premiere show on HBO without being good television. Yeah. Right. Like, and I think that what sparked it was you said like, for as huge as this show was, it once it ended, it pretty much disappeared, and. Like for me and like for some of the things that we like some of the critiques, it's not like the Sopranos ended well. It's not like Seinfeld ended well, but they didn't just disappear in the same way. No, I mean, they they endure. They they yeah, they live on like and I, I'm pretty sure that Game of Thrones is going to live on through. Um, some spinoffs like I'm pretty sure that's in the works already it is they've actually I think either started casting or started shooting the house of dragons or something which is like like a prequel a prequel but do you think I guess we'll we'll enter some hypothesis and then we'll move on to sports talk do you think part of why like once it ended it disappeared was because it is a fantasy show Um, I'm trying to look for the reasons and it can't just be because of the way it ended because Dexter didn't end well, even though that kind of disappeared a little bit. There's plenty of shows that had great followings that did not end well or did not end to the pleasure of folks that still did okay. Well, I'm thinking that it is because it's fairly new of ending. That is my my hypothesis. So like, you think like in a couple years? Yeah, like I would say like two, three years from now, like it will be sparked back up again. 
because nothing really disappears anymore. You know, like um, I had I had heard a discussion or I read somewhere and I would like to give credit again to where this was where this was from. Um, but I, I can't remember and I didn't read it the other day, but it was like some of the problems with new shows is that old show like like so the office like at, when it came out, it didn't really have to compete with people rewatching friends, you know, like the reruns existed, but it's not the same as the way it is now where that is at your fingertips at all times. Mm-hmm. Like things never really go away. Right. Um, and some of these things that aren't go that don't go away and that are at the fingertips and are being rewatched by millions of people at any given time, um, are some of the best content ever made, you know, like, and there is a little bit of a battle for new things because they're fighting against not just other stuff, like for viewers, not just other stuff that's airing now, but things that they that would never really been competition in the past, you know, the the reruns or the replays, whatever you want to call them, you know, usually happen on a cable channel, not in prime time, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a lot different now. I would say also, like, I just kind of like thought of this was for Game of Thrones, like. It's not a show you can kind of like put on and passively watch it's not a background noise it's you it requires right like you attention. have to kind of pay attention right it requires like, attention yeah yeah um as as with like even the sopranos like you can passively watch it i would say breaking bad you can do the same thing um office you can absolutely passively watch that right like it's very hard to passively watch Game of Thrones, especially the beginning. Like, uh, I mean, I've it requires a rewatch, actually. Like, you need to, like, there's going to be things that I pick up on that, like, I didn't pick up on the first time around. I wonder if it's such a more intense watch because you don't get very long with each character. And in traditional television shows, you do get to spend time, more time with the main characters. Right. And I think I was like saying, um, like how, like watching it passively versus other kind of shows. Right. 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 And I think that you can watch, obviously comedy, you can always watch passively, right? Like comedy usually is not a heavy watch. It does not require a ton of attention. Drama's a little bit more, but even so, because you spend more time and let's also be honest with Game of Thrones, because you spend such little time with with each main character, there's not really wasted time. You're not getting much fluff. No, 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 no. Right. For sure not. You know, you're not getting an episode where a character's chasing around a fly. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of... There, there's not filler, right? Right, right. Yeah. Right. So, um, we're going to continue watching, and, and when we revisit this topic, we'll be more through season one. Um, but you forget just how... Just how much, now that you know... 
just how much you actually know but don't know you know very early on. I mean, yeah, you couldn't – I couldn't have said it better. Like you – yeah, exactly right, 100%. <laughs> you don't know how ignorant – like you don't know how much information you have and how ignorant you are to that information. For sure. Um, I mean, you're, you're, and then one other, one other thing before we move on, like, I mean, with like the casting of this show, the casting and writing, like already in episode two, you can see how big of an asshole Joffrey is, right? Oh yeah. Oh, very early on. What a great actor. Oh yeah. Like. The acting, directing, casting, the writing. The, like, the costumes, everything. Yeah, like, I'm just, like, you can already see how big of, like, an asshole this kid is. Right, well, you're getting him, not just an asshole, but, like, just by the way he talks to, like, his mother and the answers he gives her. Right. Um, But also, like, you have the incident, I don't know if that was in by episode two, you have the incident where he and Sansa happen upon Arya and the butcher's kid. Um, I don't know if that happens in episode two or episode three. I think it's, I think it might be two. Yeah. Um, but like totally manipulates that entire, like puts, is an asshole, gets his ass kicked for it and then manipulates the whole situation. Um, and you can't help but not like him. But you also like, again, you want to talk about character redemption. You also don't like the hound very much either in the, you know, like what little bit you get to see of him. Right. Um, but there's just so many characters like that's it's so rich with characters. Yeah, like early on, um, well, there, there's a, a bit of a dynamic that I really like. So like. You have you have Tyrion who kind of like in the big first two episodes, he's like. This, he just this like drunk, like he's he's banging all these girls, and there's a scene with um him and Joffrey where he says to Joffrey like, "You're gonna go to Lady Stark and you're gonna tell her how sorry you are that like Brand." is like basically like going to die or disabled and joffrey's like why would i do that like i don't even know these freaking people basically and you know you can see Tyrion like just he he's he's forward thinking right like he he basically is like because this is what you do this is how you are to become like a prince or a king like these are things you need to do like basically saying to this kid like grow up like you can see like the wheels turn in his his head right like it's that and it's um what you learn in this dynamic very quickly is joffrey has a very warped and childlike view of the world which is you can control everyone simply with might and cruelty. 
and Tyrion, who is older, wiser, and and much more, and we learn this again later through other stuff, but you, you get it in this episode from this interaction, because I remember it, is he is much better at realizing that really you're only as powerful as 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 much as you are with at having good alliances. Right. You know, right. And diplomacy matters and he's not using it in those phrases, but that's really what he's getting at. It's like you do this because you don't want to be at war with these people. And Joffrey's and just like, I'm right. the king. Yeah. They should kiss my ass. Right. And it's funny because he's like, he, he does take pleasure in slapping them around a little bit. Right? Oh yeah. Like, obviously. And, and the hound says something to him like, and it's foreshadowing. Like, he says, like, at some point... You're not going to be able to do this, basically. That that kid is going to remember what you just did. Yep. And he does, right? Like, Yeah, you know. I mean, so, and we'll get to that, you know, that's a couple seasons away. Right. But uh, we'll get there. But yes, again, foreshadowing. Like, yes, you, you have a good point here, but this kid is not going to forget this, and he's going to be in charge. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, I, it's just... It, it's brilliant. It, it's just like brilliantly. Well, written. I just don't think I think it's brilliant, but I also, again, to to say to requote myself, which is really douchey, <laughs> and don't waste time. Every line means something. It's yeah. not just there. There's uh, even if it's not a callback later. Now that we know, we can go. Holy shit! That's what that line meant in season one. Yeah, you know, it's not a throwaway line. It's not just a joke. It's not just it, it, it does convey something and it, there's just no wasted lines. There's no wasted time. There's no wasted characters. It's kind of like, again, it forces you um, and insists that you pay attention. Yes. Well said. So on another note of insisting you pay attention, the NBA season is is the NBA regular season is winding down. We only have what a small handful of games left. I believe it is six, uh-huh. and the Sixers' magic number to clinch the one seed is four. Yeah, so there are two games up on Brooklyn. Um, and we have said it. I don't want to keep beating this dead horse, and we'll get to like the other part of what I want to get to with the basketball discussion, but. I don't like obviously nobody's playing quote unquote playoff basketball right now. Like for the most part, the playoff teams have been established. There's not much season left. Um, but I don't know if I'd want to be in Brooklyn shoes right now where my team hasn't really played together in a little while. Yeah. So yeah, like they have really, they have great players. Let's, let's no one's going to argue that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got to wonder if they can stay healthy, right? Um, and They're not the youngest players either. You know, like, they've got some miles on them at this point. Well, Harden, they come into the season. In great shape. In shape, right? Yeah. Like Durant's coming off an Achilles injury. Kyrie is a bit of a head case. He is, yeah. Um, they bring in Blake Griffin. He's towards the end of his career. 
Um, and they really haven't played together like as a team, as a unit. All season, they haven't really played together. So right now, they, you know, let's just say it stays where it's at. The Nets would wind up playing the Heat. That's a tough matchup. You, it's a good defensive team for sure. Yeah, like the, with the Heat made it all the way to what the finals last year, right? Like, they did. They may have overperformed a little bit. Sure, they they did, but they're not a slouch. No, I wouldn't want to play that team well, first round. Even if you get past them, here's the thing: is even if you get past them, you're going to have to work for it. You know, this isn't a lot of times the bottom seed in the NBA isn't a real contender, you know, like in the playoffs. That's a tough out for anybody. Not necessarily, again, that like the Heat are going to take Brooklyn to seven or five games. I think the first rounds of five games here. Not necessarily the Heat are going to take Brooklyn to, to, to all five games, but every game is going to be as long as Butler is playing every game, you're going to have to work for it. Correct. Um, and I think the Sixers kind of beat the Hornets pretty easily. I mean, they have beat them all year pretty easily. It should work that way, but yeah. So then you're looking at Milwaukee, right? Like what's is Milwaukee in the East, the three seed. Yeah. So they would play the Celtics. They should pretty much. I think handle the Celtics, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then next versus Hawks. Like, I think the Knicks would kind of win out in that um, series. So, but like, we've been talking about this all year. I don't think any of these teams have an answer for Embiid. And they don't really have an answer for, like, what we're seeing with the Sixers. No, I don't think anybody has an answer for Embiid. I don't right. think anybody in the NBA does. Um, but what also we're seeing a little bit with the Sixers what is all we talk about is like, oh, you need outside shooting, you need outside shooting to win. The Sixers are going to be the first team in probably a while that are this good defensively. And we're going to have to see what that means in the playoffs. And it's going to be interesting. Uh, they're, they're incredible defense. Like, all right, so you you have two incredible defenders, Simmons and Thibault, and we haven't talked about Embiid and his defense yet. Right, which is that uh, which okay, is, you know? <laughs> yeah, which is just okay, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's elite. <laughs> so you don't have an answer for him. On the offensive side of the court. On the offensive side, and he's also shutting down. He's protecting the rim, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I, I want to say, like, if you if the Sixers wind up facing Brooklyn in, you know, the the conference final. Man, they better be healthy, Brooklyn. Well, because think, if they're not, then then it's lights out. In a seven-game series, so how Brooklyn's going to have to win that game is mid-range and further, mm-hmm. right? Like how they're going to have to win a seven-game series. Can you stay hot 
for four plus games, you know, to win four games mm-hmm. with that good a defense. That's a tall order for anybody but Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean you're 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 completely right there. Um my opinion is it's probably I would I, I'm gonna say it's gonna come down to the Sixers and Bucks in the conference finals. That's just as likely. Yeah. That's just as likely. I'll take that match. If the Sixers have their starting five, I'll take that matchup. I would too. Um, yeah, like, I guess on, on the Bucks, like, who, who who's going to kill you is Giannis. But I, I'll let him. Yeah, but if you have your starting five, he's not really, he's not really going to beat you outside of the paint. No, they're he's not, and and is and what I've seen the last probably ten games from the Sixers is Danny Green and uh, Seth Curry are like really heating up from beyond the three point line, like. Um. This is their time. This, especially Danny Green. Yeah, like this he, is Danny Green's time. This is where he shines. He, yeah, like have fun double teaming Joel Embiid. You know, like that's the whole point. You can't. You can't. You won't be able to. Um, and you know, like Simmons is elite defensively. He's going to shut down your top offensive guard. Actually, he can guard anybody. On one through court, five. Right? He can guard one through five. Um, and then Tobias is is a fringe all-star, right? And he's having a, a one of the best years of his career. Yeah, I mean, the Sixers are a tough out. For anybody. In a seven-game series? Yeah, I, I'm... I expect them to go to the finals. Then we'll see what happens. You know. So. Kind of segues into like MVP. Like, I guess the MVP race, right? Uh, I don't know where I lost you. So I'm just going to say the next. The last part I said is like really the biggest worry for the Sixers is going to be injury. Now, like I'm not saying that like none of these teams could can beat the Sixers. All Brooklyn and Milwaukee are very good basketball teams. No one would sit there and say it's impossible for this to happen. But the reality is, is if the Sixers enter at any point of these playoffs with all five of their starting starting five, they really should make it to the to the finals they should and obviously once the playoffs hit you shorten your bench right so and i don't even know that like they've been just running teams out of the water the bench is getting so many minutes right now i don't even know that the, that the, the bench is a liability no but you do shorten it so yeah. you i would think you know, Ben's going to play 40-plus minutes. Um, 
you know, like Harris is probably going to play up there. Reed. Yeah. Um, I would see. I so I see Howard playing. I see Thibel playing. Shake will probably get minutes too. Shake will. Um, maybe Furkan, but like uh, you're going to limit Cork Maz. You're going to limit Maxi. I don't even know if Maxi. Yeah, like unless they blow out a team, like he's not even going to touch the floor. Um. You're going to uh, – yeah, Mike Scott's not going to touch the floor. Yeah. Um, but obviously Howard's going to play. Obviously Shake's going to play. Obviously um, Hill's going to play. Hill, yes, right. And and Thibel. Oh, yeah. Th- no no doubt about Matisse getting, getting minutes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like um, – now th- – this kind of leads us to like the the MVP race, right? Like, yeah, I don't see that doesn't matter to me. I know it matters to the player. Uh, I don't even know that it matters to Joe that much. Um, I think that he's most worried about getting a championship right now. Well, he's he's saying the right things, right? Yeah. Like, um. I, I kind of think he believes that uh, he he plays that way anyway. Um, the whole big controversy, right, is about games played and missing time. Well, that seems to be why people are saying that Jokic de- deserves it over Embiid. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's – if we're looking at two – completely even players i get it like you've got to tr- try and figure out a way to to break it up you know to say this person deserves it over that person i get it um but to me like what's more like is is games played that much more important than having a like a team that's a one seed like it depends i guess on who's voting and what their criteria is yeah but I think that games played, obviously you can't say like, oh, this guy played one game and averaged <laughs> 40 points a game and 10 rebounds because they had a career night. Yeah. You know, but like, I don't know. Like, it depends how you want to define the MVP. Like, to me, the MVP should be one of two things. The MVP should be either the best player play, like playing that given year mm-hmm. or the best player on the best team. I think either is an acceptable criteria. I think when we try to compare stats to stats and we're just looking and this will get us to like a different conversation, but we're literally just trying to look at a stat sheet and determine a player's impact. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's a wise way to, to do it because no, no Um, stats can tell us a whole bunch of things. They don't, they don't tell us honestly and enough, you know, like, a, a player can add, right? Like if you have just a run of easier matchups, the numbers will tell different than if you play, right? Like Ben Simmons defensive matchup, like defensive statistics are going to look worse possibly than a player who plays against not the best player on the other team. You know, like um, it doesn't mean that Ben is w- a worse defensive player. It just means you do have to interpret analytics or stats more than just looking at a stat sheet. 
Yeah, and I kind of look at it this way. Like, what if you were to swap players on teams, right? Like, if Jokic was on the Sixers, with the Sixers being first place, and if Embiid was on Denver, would they be higher? I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's a good way to look at it. I mean, it's an interesting way to look at it, right? What does the player mean to their team? Right. And, like, to me, like, Denver is built, like, Jokic does well because because of the way Denver's built. I believe if you put Embiid on any team, everybody on that team would get better. But it doesn't mean they're going to be great. You know, like, last year the Sixers had their struggles because they weren't built correctly. Um, yeah, but also Embiid wasn't playing this way last year. No, he wasn't. I mean, if you were to look at the so the two players that are in the running are Jokic and B. Well, uh, let's the, the the top five would be Jokic and Embiid, probably Giannis, Curry, Curry, who's been like red hot. Um, and that team, it's not like he's got a great team around him. You know, no, he like he's willing that team into winning games. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to put it. Um, and fifth would be maybe Kawhi. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't think like I, there are people that would make that argument. There are other arguments to be made, but really it's a three to four. Like it's, yeah. there's three to four. And really, it's the two bigs, which is amazing for the league to see two centers leading the the um, MVP race. It's not something you like. You don't even see a center win it, um, let alone have really the two front runners be be fives. Um, and with like, if you were to can just compare like Jokic to Embiid, all right, Jokic is like is a better passer. I mean, okay. Do I need that from my center? No. Um, and beat is clearly, he's a way better defender, right? Like it's, they're not even in the same ballpark. Right. Um, I don't know. Like I just, so like the way that I see it, say we were grading each part of the game, like one through five. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, so say Jokic would be a five at um, court vision or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, Embiid wouldn't be a one. <laughs> you know, he's not a he, he's not going to get eight assists a game like Jokic does. That's ridiculous. You mm-hmm. know, but he you know he's going to get three to four. He's not bad at it. Um, and then if you were gonna you're gonna grade, um, say. If you were going to grade defense, well, Yoke or Embiid would be a five. Jokic would be like a two. Yes. You know, there's no part of Embiid. Embiid is a more complete player. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, overall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I guess we're a bit biased, right? But, yeah, but I also feel like we're we're a bit biased, one, because he plays for the Sixers, but two, because I think that people from Philadelphia or the Philadelphia area 
do tend to value defense a lot in every sport. Mm-hmm. I just think that that's part of this city for whatever reason. Thank buddy Ryan, I guess. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. No, but, no playoff wins, but, but he's sure. the, you know, still beloved. Yeah. It's weird. I don't get it, but okay. <laughs> um, but we do value defensive players we do. and we don't value players that don't try on defense. And I just think that Jokic is this, you don't see fives that pass like Jokic does. And I think that people who are only interested in looking at highlights and stats appreciate that more. I don't think that makes someone a bad fan. I just think it makes them appreciate it more than they appreciate things that don't end up on a stat sheet. Like you don't see on a stat sheet, the amount of guards that drive and decide to dish because they see him beat in the paint. That doesn't end up as as a statistic. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you know, right. yeah, but it happens all the time, right? Um, so I just think Jokic represents what people a lot of today's fans value more, and that's just the way the modern game is. Yeah, I mean, listen. He probably Jokic will probably win MVP. He, he's the clear front runner right now. Yeah, and I don't. Whether you and I agree with that doesn't matter. Like that's the facts. Um, yeah, I, and I, I guess the deciding factor is going to be missed games, which is also what a dumb way to decide it. But I mean, it, that's going to be it. Right. It is. It is. So, but whatever. When yeah. Jokic, Jokic and his seven seed or six seed probably get bounced from their from the playoffs, he'll have won MVP. You know? Yes. Okay. Yep. And if they met each other in the playoff or in the in the finals, I can guarantee you, Jokic would end up posterized more than once. I mean, it would be a great. Matt, I mean, they just played the game that you couldn't even put Jokic on and beat. You couldn't even do it. You'd have to put. I would love this. See, that would be. It would be fun. It would be fun. It would be fun. But you couldn't. You'd have to put your four on and beat on the defensive side. Jokic could not be matched up defensively. That would be like putting Dirk on Shaq. It just wouldn't work. Right. Good comparison. Like that's. Kind of what those two are modern of. Embiid is a bit of a modern day Shaq uh, with much better foul shooting, but just a dominant (laughs) presence that you can't, he's a dominant presence that you can't really stop. That's what Shaq was through, through his peak. You know, you just couldn't stop him. No, no, you you couldn't. Um, You had to limit him and send him to the line. You can't do that with Embiid. And Jokic is a modern day Dirk. That's that's his for best sure. Comp. Yeah. Um. You know, and then that's clearly not a knock. Dirk is a Hall of Fame player. You know, like that's just when I look at them, it's which one would you rather have? Yeah, we're talking about like Hall of Famers here, right? Yeah, right. like we're not comparing these guys to to you know the average guy on a playground. Yeah. You know, I'm not driving up to to Liberty Bell Playground and saying like, "Oh yeah, this is what Jokic plays like." 
You know, like Dirk is a pretty nice player to be compared to. For sure. You can do worse. Championship. Yeah, you could do much worse than being compared to Dirk. So, um, but I think that games played, like to me, if I were an MVP voter, which I don't ever expect to be. I uh, hope you are, though. That would be amazing. But um, to me, it's if I, I understand that we've gotten to a place where like, um, now that LeBron's past his prime, it's very hard to to um, decide who actually is the best player, right? Like, there's very little um, space between skills. You know, like, they might be different skills, but as far as the impact of the game, there's very little space between some of these just great players. Right. Um, I, I guess the exercise is, like, if you were to swap these players, I, 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 I'm not sure you can do that because you build your team around your best player, right? Like You should if you're going to be successful. Yeah, I think that's so. But um, so then how do you how do you decide it? And I like to me, I think I think swapping them is an interesting exercise. Like, is this player good enough to overcome being on a team not built for them? Like some of that would be that. And some of it would be like, like clearly, even in years that LeBron didn't win the MVP, like clearly he was the best player in the league, you know, like because he literally could, you know, like could be on any team and that team would instantly become a finals team. Right. You know, like, um, but when you get beyond that, when you get beyond the LeBron and the, and the Michael Jordan players, to me, like personally, I think that like again, there's there's a bit of the eye test, but there is an amount of you can do the best player on the best. Yeah, like, it really is going to come down, like, Jokic's probably going to win, and I just think the game's played is a bad way to decide it. But it is what it is. It is what it is, and I would take a championship over MVP. Oh, 100, 100%. 100%. 100%. That's the goal. That's what Joe we... sees that as the goal. That's what we went through the entire process for. Correct. Um... um which is, uh, as you coined us one of the last times we were on, which is a very professional way to segue into the next conversation. <laughs> um, which is, you know, the NFL draft has just ended, and I think it's a dumb exercise to grade these these players that haven't even touched the field yet. Um, and how they're going to impact their team. Like, I think it's a, like, it's a dumb exercise as soon as the draft is done to start giving grades to teams before the players even hit. They haven't even gone to camp yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see a, let's just say, like, a grade that happened five years ago and see how it pans out today, Right. Like, yeah, like, so say we... Did a team that got an A, did those players actually perform to an A level? I mean, 
or like do how many pro bowlers did came out of that a draft or how right. you know like you might not want to measure wins because not always does having a good draft mean that you're going to be a, a playoff team um in football especially right like that's uh seven rounds seven players out of 53 if everybody makes the roster um and then how many are there in two years how many are there in three years from- yeah, it's not easy. I mean, I think the grade, the grading stuff is more for entertainment, right? It's like, still dumb, though. Like, it's for entertainment, but like, well, why are you as a to cons- justify your job too? Like, well, but why are you as a consumer? Like, whatever, someone can go through and decide they're gonna write something about it but you as a consumer why are you interested in grit and like what someone has to say a grade is the grade is the player playing <laughs> who yeah. cares who cares in the first week of may how you know a handful of writers like i feel like you could say like hey i like this i think it fits needs that the team has but to grade it out, I feel like is a weird exercise. It's, it's very weird. Like you should grade it two years after the fact. Well, you, there should be like a sliding grade. Like I don't mind if you grade it by all right. You took seven players. You know your sixth and seventh round picks didn't make your team, right? So instantly now there there should be some impact there and then you look at like oh you took this guy and two years later your coach was fired you know like right um or your gm was fired well what the hell kind of grade do you get for that (laughs) you know like what was the jets grade for drafting two years ago (laughs) yeah i and we talked about this just like offline through text. Like we're looking at like teams that have had top 10 picks for several years and where they ended up. And we're not even talking about championship. We're talking about just like division wins. Right? We're talking like, about division wins and improvement. Yeah. Right. Like, you don't want to have, say, a top five pick four years in a row, right? Like, that's not good. No, that's not good. Um, that, but then you have, conversely, you have teams that have 20th pick plus who seem to stay relevant and win their division. So... so- the draft and the draft alone. So it, it football is a bit of its own animal, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that this is where, like, we are we are flowing through conversations here. Foot, each sport is a bit of their own animal because it's very hard to compare things, right? Like football, um, there's so many moving parts. You can't only build your team through a draft. And careers are shorter, so rebuilds are shorter, mm-hmm. right? Like that's or should be on paper. Um, whereas basketball, top five picks, you know, out of the top five, you could have three busts, 
Like, oh, yes. You know, like the actual good talent or the actual career or franchise altering talent. Sometimes those are two player drafts. Right. Like that's just the way it is. There's not always great players coming out and not always has a player coming out. You're talking about basketball. What they have one year of college. A lot of times talking about an 18, 19 year old kid. You know, right. we don't know what they're going to grow into. They, For some kids, they've hit their physical maturity at 18, 19 years old. For some kids, they're not going to hit that until they're 21, 22, 24. You yeah, know, so like, that means they're four years in the league, right? Like, So projecting guys' ceilings and what they're going to grow into is a lot harder, but their impact is so much greater, right? They're one of five players on a court, one of 12 players on a team. You know, so like your impact is so great, but if you like, it might take four years for that player to really get things going. But if you miss, you can, you know, like there's no guarantee you're going to hit the next time or the next time. So like you have teams that get perpetually bad very fast. And that's true with all leagues. Mm -hmm. There's teams that just seem that they can't get it together, but just having a draft pick a top draft pick or even even if it works out where you draft a good player does not mean does not always translate to the wins column no it doesn't i mean i guess we kind of touched upon this in a in a text message that yeah like the most important position in sports and in especially football is the quarterback, right? Like you kind of need that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And if you miss on it, it kind of sets you back. Oh yeah. Probably six years. Yes. To where like you're, you have to get another quarterback and another, but like I, I started to think about this a little bit. Like, is it? Are you missing on a on the player himself, or is he not being coached properly? Like, why did Mahomes get drafted a little bit later than was projected? Now he's an MVP and like prolific and he's with Andy Reid. Like, he's on he's on a trajectory for a Hall of Fame career. Right. Like did I, I just like I'm trying to like work that through in my head. Like so I think that they're inseparable one. Right. And I think that I so I I'll, when it comes to quarterback, I'm gonna tell you I actually had this thought a little bit um back in like maybe two thousand eight, two thousand six. So remember, if you remember the 1999 quarterback draft, right? That was the McNabb draft. Right. That was supposed to be the best quarterback draft class ever, right? Like there were like five quarterbacks taken in the first 10 picks or something like, like that. Achilles Smith, right? Right. But so Achilles Smith is a good name. Even Dante Culpepper is a good name. Um, Is Achilles Smith, was he any less physically capable than Donovan McNabb? 
Probably not, right? No, they're probably very similar in athletic ability. Mm-hmm. But Achilles Smith went to, at the time, and we'll see what Cincinnati becomes now, went to a, his, a, a, a franchise that was re- just bad. Mm-hmm. And Donovan McNabb went to a new coach, but a coach that we have now seen is very good at building an offense around the quarterback he has, not the quarterback he wants, not the quarterback he hopes to become, but the quarterback he has. Right. And is good at calling plays for that quarterback. So I'm not going to sit here and say Donovan McNabb is a creation of Andy Reid, but I'm saying he landed in a better situation than Achilles Smith. Correct. And I, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, so... But both things are important because there they are, are, they are there are players that are physically gifted that, that have a problem between the ears, like they Jamarcus are. Russell. You're right. right. I mean, I think some coaches slash GMs are better at picking a player that fits to what they want to do. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, but also, some are better at looking at the player and saying, "This is what they do," whether it's what I want to do or not. This is what they do, right? Because I think another player that that we can say contemporarily now, right? Like John Harbaugh has never called an offense similar to what he's what he does for Lamar Jackson. The Baltimore Ravens have never had an offense look like this. Yes, right. But he's changed his entire scheme for this player. He didn't say, "I'm going to take Lamar Jackson and turn him into Peyton Manning." Right. He, yes, exactly right. Yes. Like, why are you trying to, like, put a square peg in a round hole? Right. But there's an amount of coaches, and I, and I'm, I don't know them, so it's not fully fair, but there's an amount of coaches, and I'm going to throw two names out there. There's an amount of coaches like Chip Kelly and like Adam Gase that, they just believe in their system so much that it doesn't matter who they put in there. And clearly those coaches are not very good at the pro level. No, I mean, they like, uh, that's what I'm like. I'm what, what if Darnold and uh, ended up on Kansas city? Like, would it be, well, we know that Alex Smith, who was historically an average quarterback, had an MVP caliber season in Kansas City. He did. But then then you get into like, all right, well, this guy that I have cannot put me over the top. Right? And that's what they said. Right. You know, there there is an, there is an amount that a player like there is an amount eventually that you can only coach a player so far as well. Um, Yep. And again, it is on the coach and general manager. Um, But that this is why like the situation matters. The picks matter though, because there are just mistakes that you make. There are scouting mistakes. There are, Sometimes you great you you project growth from a player and it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. you know. But like, so no, does it does an early pick matter? No, 
does but are there still players right that, that that can overperform their situation yes and are there still players that overperform bad coaching i'd argue aaron rodgers did that for a long time mm-hmm. but when it comes to the the draft um i said this to to you the other day is like i feel it's a bit overrated like and when I say that, I mean the picks are valued way more than having a player. Having a player. So I will argue that having the first, like, the, of a number one, I'm sorry, a first pick in a draft is valuable. Probably the first seven picks. Right. But I think they GMs tend to value second round picks. They're like, I I would give those picks up for somebody that's established to join Uh, your team. Unless you're in a re like a complete rebuild where you're going to need, um, (laughs) eventually you're going to need cheaper players, you know? Well, Um, that matters. Correct. Yeah. But nonetheless, like, sometimes you need to open the pack of baseball cards to know what's inside, right? Like, and eventually the rubber needs to hit the road. And this is why I think the GM of the Giants is not a good GM. He always he always trades back. Well, eventually that has got to turn into players. Mm-hmm. And eventually that has to turn into good players or players that can perform. And, like, I think it might be better to trade those picks for players that. But he's he's that, not trading them for players. No, he's trading them for more for more capital, right? More picks, yeah, either next year or later on. Yeah, and and I just don't think that is. I don't think it's a good exercise. I don't either. Like, it, I I think it's it may be better to trade those picks for players that are already established in the league professional quality yeah like down the road they might cost you more but like who cares if i win a super bowl before i have to pay that you know what i mean like well i will say that there's probably an amount of general managers in all sports thanks to Moneyball and things and that type of analytics that think that you get like an extra ring for doing it cheaper than anybody else or doing it with lesser talent than everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's something to be said about it. It is um, where I believe that we lost our connection was um, we had said about Moneyball. Mm-hmm. And about that there are GMs and teams and to some degree that think that you get an extra ring for doing it cheaper or what they believe is smarter than everybody else. Yeah, and I guess my rebuttal to that is there's something to be said about maximizing profit for spending less, right? Like, that's business. It it is um that's, that's how you run a business right but so sports isn't like any other business though 
Um, like it's you run a business, not to the fan, but um, it's how you run a business in that, like you want to maximize your profit, right? But there's an amount of um, there's like an unwritten agreement. Um, and and we went through a team. I don't want to say that they broke that unwritten agreement because they were very clear with what they were doing. But there's an unwritten agreement that's like, I'm going to continue to put my butt in your seat as long as you're doing your best to compete. Mm-hmm. And there's also an amount of like, when you're not and then people stop going, you take it off of television. You know, which is also a crappy kind of a crappy way for your fan to experience it. Uh-huh. But nonetheless, other than some isolated examples, there's not really a great a plethora of data to say that analytics alone is a good way to run a franchise a successful or a winning franchise no it's not so i was kind of thinking about this the other day in terms of the nfl and this doesn't include the other sports is like if i'm the 32nd ranked team in the league i'm still making a profit based off of just the profit sharing and the 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 TV agreement that the whole entire league entered. Right? If you're the right, if you're the thirty second ranked team, yes. Part of what ends up becoming a, probably a problem amongst your peers is how much they may end up wanting to subsidize your franchise if you're not bringing in revenue as revenue through your gate. Yeah, like I'm trying to like. Is everything shared, right? Like the way that they, I believe the way that the NFL works is the gates are shared and the TV agreements are shared, but I do not believe merchandise sales are shared in the okay. NFL. And each league is unique, but I believe each team's merch sales matter for that team because, um, but not it's not shared amongst the league. I believe I could be wrong. I you may be half right. And the only reason I I'm gonna say this, the only reason I know this is because of like like where I work. So the only franchise that is set, sold separately from all the other 32 teams, and I'll let you guess. The Cowboys. Correct. I think they have their own merchandising, like, agreement. Rights, yeah. Right, or right, yes, rights, where, like, if they sell a jersey, the money goes right to the Cowboys and not shared to the other teams. So, I mean, yeah, that's a bit different in that, you know, basically, like, the the profit sharing with, like, TV rights and everything like that. So, 
I guess it may matter to that team how popular their franchise is in America, right? Like, yeah, but I think that every team is going to eventually care because the uh, with revenue sharing, the other teams are only going to stand so long for you not pull at least pulling some form of your weight. Like um, if you were just like, I'm going to maximize my profits and I don't care that much about, you know, how many, if teams, if my fans start tuning me out and not buying tickets, I can't imagine the rest of the league is going to be very happy that their profits are dipping, you know, like mm-hmm. to the Philadelphia Eagles who are, you know, even no matter how bad they are, they're still trying. You might not agree with how they're trying. They're still trying. Um, and they're always right spending right around the cap. Um, are they going to be happy with selling out every game and having to give the money to the Jacksonville Jaguars who are just like, screw it, I don't care. I'm making the same amount of money whether I'm good or bad. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. You know, like eventually, eventually the league can force you to sell your team. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, excellent point. So I, I, I don't know with revenue sharing, I don't know that um, teams are going to put up with non-profitable teams. And I do believe that the league, when they're allowing, when teams go up for sale, when they're allowing purchases, it's not just like you, do you have enough money? There's more vetting than that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they're looking for solely for, obviously they want everybody to make money because when they make money, they're happy. But I don't know that they're solely looking for someone to run a business. I think that's more a problem in the NBA, baseball, and, and NHL. Gotcha. Where like those those teams are owned by um, corporations in some cases, you know, mm-hmm. and those corporations really it is just a profit center, right? Um. So, and I, I just think the NFL is different because it's been a license to print money. They don't really don't want that gravy train to end. And having the less competitive teams you have, it's actually bad for a business eventually. Right. Which is why they tout all the time how teams go from worst to their division to first every year. It does happen often. Yeah. It happens once a year in the NFL. A team goes from worst in their division to first in their division. It happens once a year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what I like most about the NFL is like it's it seems as though it's easier to turn it around. And there's like it's tough to say what exactly is the full cause and effect. One of the causes one that is that's undeniable is that they have basically one party contracts um, where not both parties have to adhere to a contract. Um, so you only get stuck, even if you give someone a big signing bonus, that all gets front loaded to one year if you if you trade or release that player. So the pain is one year. You're not going to be saddled with a bad contract for the length of the contract. Um, that is obviously undeniable. But I also feel like because there's so many moving parts, um, sometimes even a bad team, if you keep it together, eventually – just having continuity of players, a team will improve. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you could. So, 
Yeah, like we again, we discussed a little bit of this off, like offline, mm-hmm. and some things like I don't make sense to me, right? Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes back to the draft a little bit. You have the Patriots who I don't know for how many years picked. 30 and 30 plus, right? Like, but have remained relevant and or in the champion in the AFC championship game and or they were, they were a competitor even when they weren't a competitor. Right. But I, I would argue that part of the reason why is you did have continuity at quarterback playing at an elite level. Yeah, and then, like, you look at, uh, say, like, the Cleveland Browns, who probably had it. I think I looked at it the other day, like, from 2010 to, like, now, like, have had a top five, or I'm sorry, top ten pick in the draft for, like, five years. Which means, like, their second-round picks are high, their third-round picks are high. Like, how does that team turn around quick? Yeah, I don't know. Is it because a couple things I'm thinking of is Bill Belichick is perfectly fine with letting go players that are reaching a certain age, possibly are declining in talent. Um, and getting players that or dra- or trading picks for play established play like that happens a lot. So it's definitely like a a, a model to look at. Yeah, know? but I think that <laughs> Here's the thing is like, I think that what ends up happening is, is we look at an outlier and we want to try and see if there's repeatability there. And the reality is, is like, obviously you don't have a coach stay in a franchise that long if they're not successful. You also don't have a quarterback stay in a franchise that long if they're not successful. Correct. But the reality is, is that like, how many times do you have a quarterback play at a high level for that long? Um, without like really fading, you know? Um, and so like that already. Right. And then how many years did Belichick put together a good defense that was like just separate of Brady, you know? Um, and I just don't know that, especially in football, we'll ever see a team as good as the Patriots were for as long as they were again. Um, and I don't, you know, like, there's going to be a lot of ways to look at the why. Mm-hmm. And I think that the answer will be yes. You know, there's going to be a lot of explanations as to why. Um, good scouting, putting players in good positions to win, good free agent signings, putting free agents, your free agent signings in a, in a you know, a way to succeed. And um, honestly, I think the biggest why is... I, I hate to say this, but is quarterback, right? Well, like, that's got to be 85% of it. 
Like, you have to find a great quarterback. Yeah, but a great quarterback doesn't ensure that it level of, no, of success it, it, it year doesn't. in and year out. No. You know, again, the Packers, while Aaron Rodgers has been great and he has been hurt sometimes, the Packers don't come anywhere close to the level of success as the Patriots. They have won a Super Bowl under Rodgers, so I'm not going to sit here and say they don't or they didn't. But when you're talking about sustained success, it's not the same. The Colts under Peyton Manning. You what know, about the Steelers. They're, but, and the Steelers are maybe a good, they're a content. They've always been a contender. They've won a couple Super Bowls, right? So there is some levels of similar success. But would you, where do you lay that at the feet at? One is you've only had two coaches, mm-hmm. right? And it took a while for Coward to win his Super Bowl. You've only right. had two coaches, but. What else have you done? They've had good offensive lines. They've had good defenses. They've had, you know, like, um, they tend to get more out of lesser, like, quote-unquote, lesser physical specimens at wide receiver. You know, they haven't had a Megatron in Pittsburgh. As great as Antonio Brown was, or, you know, um, he's not the same level of physical specimen as as Randy Moss. You know, um, he didn't need to be. Right, but Pittsburgh seems to be able to do that at wide receiver with a, a whole host of guys. Uh, maybe not to the level that Brown was, but still to a whole from a whole host of guys. So, um, and sometimes it's about capitalizing, not spending money in one place so you can spend it in another. You know, right. like, um, but nonetheless, like, there are like you're going to look at things and say like, I think this is why, and I think this is why, but when you have a roster of 53 people and every year you're going to have a good amount of turnover, it's tough to say exactly why. Um, but content, like stability, I think is a number one, but you don't get stability without success either. Right. But stability is important. It just is. Yeah. I mean, you have to like, two things about football is like, you need a, really great quarterback and a really great coach. And then I feel like things fall more into place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you make a bad decision at either, if you make a bad decision at coach, it's going to set you back because you got to give the guy at minimum two years. Um, really, you're probably looking at three. And with quarterback, you're going to give a guy more than one year. Because I, I like the the division I look at the most is Steelers division, right? Like, there's a lot. That's a good division. But like they flip flop on who kind of wins the division for the last ten years is it's Steelers. Then you got the Ravens, and sprinkled in there sometimes is. Like Cincinnati, right? I don't. Uh, yeah, but Cincinnati's been like one of those teams that that like they've been bad at times, but they haven't really been a true contender for the most part. Um, whereas the Steelers and the and the Ravens seem to be true contenders almost every year. Um, but but again, Harbaugh's been in Baltimore a long time. He has. 
you know, and he's changed quarterbacks. And to be honest with you, they've had success, and it's arguable just how good Flacco is. I mean, I would agree with that 100%. Like, yeah, I mean, he's... Joe, Joe Flacco is cut from the same mold, and maybe he's a little better as those mid-level guys. As he's like Nick Foles, right? Probably better than Nick Foles, but... Um, but he's not. But in that class, yes, Nick Foles, Jimmy Garoppolo, Alex he's no, Smith. He's no Peyton Manning. He's not winning you games on his own. You know, he's a guy that you have to put really good talent around, mm-hmm. um, and usually have a, a, a ridiculous defense. This is not me saying Joe Flacco is a bad quarterback. He's just not. Yeah, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not. Um, Peyton Manning, he's not Tom Brady, you know, but there's a level below that that he fits in that are better than game managers, but not, you know, what you'd label a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. One, but, one thing I want to talk about our, on our next um, podcast is like kind of. I'm thinking about the NFL draft versus like the fantasy draft. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is do we as fantasy owners pick players and positions because that's where you it's said to pick that particular player and do NFL teams do something kind of fall do, do they, like, make the same mistake? So, um, another good segue, right? So, I wanted to make sure we touched on fantasy mm-hmm. because, for me, the NFL draft is the unofficial kickoff of fantasy season. It It is. Like, as far as I'm concerned, start doing the mock drafts. <laughs> now you can, right? Yeah. Like, by Memorial Day is usually when I'll say, like, that's when you really should start. Mm-hmm. Like getting dialed in. So if you start doing mock drafts, you didn't have to start doing them before the draft like I did. But um, now's a good time to at least get an idea. You know, take a peek at some ranks, get an idea of where some guys are are ranked. Things are going to change a little bit between now and camp and then between camp and the preseason. And and, um, maybe, you know, by the third week you've got, you know, that's when everybody's drafting. Mm Mm-hmm. But the ranks that are right now, for the most part, other than releases, there's not going to be that much changing. Some guys, you know, like will fall out because they're, you know, um, there'll be rumors or whatever else. They'll they'll fall down or they'll rise. But for the most part, the ranks are going to be pretty stable. There will be some movement, but the ranks should be stable. So, mm-hmm. um, in your in your statement is. Um, and maybe we extrapolate it more next week, but I think that, yes, you're on to something. Um, and I think that it is a, it's a good point. And I, I, I think that, so what you're talking about is like, and, and I think that every league does it. There's kind of a consensus ranking, you know, mm-hmm. maybe your scouts have some variation, but there's a consensus ranking. This is the standard pick at pick, you know, the standard five players that you're looking at in the first round at this position, right? Because not everybody's drafting the same position 
in the NFL draft. Um, whereas like a fantasy draft, you're really only drafting running backs and wide receivers in the first round. Right. 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 Um, and I think that like you have like consensus ranks by position. And I would argue that the Eagles have been really good at going outside of that for like the Howie Roseman tenure, other than this draft. Um, and it has not been that successful for them to go outside of it. It hasn't. No. Like, I doubt that, like, the consensus pick, if you were taking a wide receiver last year, was Jefferson, not Rager. Rager, Rieger. Rager, yeah. Um, Was not Rager. And we'll see, you know, like, you can't write everybody off of their rookie year. That's not fair, especially that Rager was hurt. We'll see what he becomes. But as of right now, it does not look like a great pick um, when Jefferson was there. That doesn't mean that Rager is not going to be an NFL player or not have a successful career. It just means that typically guys like Jefferson that have a rookie season like that don't all of a sudden disappear. You know, like they tend to have successful careers when they're that successful as rookies. Yeah. And I mean, it also matters like situation situation. Right. Yeah. But when, like, I think about, like, our kind of, like, our fantasy league, it may say to take our, like, you, all right, you're looking at overall rankings, right? And it, I don't know, like, picks, you're getting the, the pick six and seven. It says, like, pick so, this is where everybody picks so-and-so at seven and you're not feeling good about it like then don't like my then, my is it would then, be then don't? don't like you know what i mean like so this is why i think that tearing your players out is important um and you're just gonna have preferences like my opinion is and that's okay don't I, I my I believe I left it up on the website. If not, I'll make sure I find it. In my 10 draft commandments, it was your ranks are your ranks. They're a guide, not a Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you don't like a player, don't take them. Take someone else. There's nothing right. wrong with that. No, and that's where I'm at. So where I what I would say now, like, and we talked offline about it, and I think that this is also a good a good topic that we'll have to get more into as we talk more fantasy, because as I, as we said last time, I still have to do tight ends, but I've put together my thoughts on what were pre-draft the top 24 players at running back top 24 at receiver top 12, at quarterback. My I will say, I gotta, I gotta say something like your writing is excellent. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh professional. I'll Thank say you. that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I enjoy writing and I enjoyed putting that together. Like, um, I hope that people enjoy reading it. Um, I'm glad that you did. Uh, I, you know, but like, uh, I put that I together. I wish I was just like able to just like say that as a comp, but like, It'd be something like I would enjoy reading from a legit somebody that's getting paid for it. Right. You know? Well, I'll be, we'll see where this endeavor goes, you know, right. like um, right now I'm enjoying doing it. 
if if eventually the content gets good enough that I feel like um it's I'm comfortable asking people for money for it. Um we'll see. It's, yeah, I mean it's absolutely professional. Um yeah. I and I really did enjoy putting it together and I'm not done and I'm gonna add you know, like I'll take a rookie name. I'm going to add Najee Harris to my ranks. And I'm going to add writing for that player. Like it's not a finished. These aren't finished documents. Um, the ranks may change, but t- the work that I did to get there is probably not going to change that much other than some guys may shuffle because I go, Oh, Hey, this player may take some opportunity away, or there's going to be some targets here um, that are, that I see going somewhere else. But I, you know, like the work should still remain mostly the same. Yeah. But my 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 point is, is that I've gone through and and I've done these ranks and I've done my research and what that that work is prediction. It's not projection. And you and I talked about the difference of that on offline. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a good part to talk about when you're when you want to take a guy that you like. Versus a guy where, you know, they're ranked, right? Is that fair? Like, I think uh, it's fair. Yeah. So there's a big difference between I predict that this player is going to finish better than I've then here's what I'm projecting this, this player is going to do. And I don't projections are voodoo to a certain degree. I don't care how good your mathematical model is. It's a bit voodoo. And you're going to have to decide what kind of person you are. Like, are you someone that wants to look at a projection and say, I want the player that's projected to be the best? Or do you want to look at it and go, I just like this player more. And I don't think that either system is right. Like, quote unquote, that's a preference that lives inside a person. Mm -hmm. And I also think that like, when we look at players and we tier them, even if you don't quite tier them, you should think of them in blocks. And I also think that where I have to get out of my own way this year and, and whatnot is saying like, well, I like this player, but I think I can get them next round. If you like them, get them, you know, like why risk it? I mean, it's a great point. Right. You like, don't reach four rounds early. I'm not, that's not what I'm justifying here. But, but a you, round is fine, right? Or like, even even two may be okay. If you have to look at it not just as what's on the paper, but sometimes you have to look at the hype. You know, some players for fantasy are going to get a good amount of hype. They and, are. And I said this, I forget, like maybe a couple of days ago to you, it was like, I've seen enough CJ Spillers of the world, right? Like, yeah, we, this this running back was ranked to be picked in the first round, but I mean, you weren't going to get anything out of this guy. Well, you, what you don't, what what I right, feel, like you were better off taking anything, 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 right? So, and and when we look at those players, when we look at that, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, and this is a good question. It's a good thing to think of yourself is am I drafting this player at their absolute ceiling? You know, when you're taking CJ Spiller, when he was going in the first round, well, his, his chances of finishing it as the running back one were probably not very good. No. You know, like, 
But to me, when I'm taking a running back in the first round, I don't care if I have the 12th pick. I want their range of outcome to be running back one. Yes. You know, like even at the 12th pick, say they're the eighth running back off the board. Well, to some degree, give me a guy that's a little more risky, but has that in his range of outcomes. So, and what I mean by that is right now, if I were to draft now, even though I have them ranked differently, give me Jonathan Taylor. Don't give me Ezekiel Elliott. Yes. Right. Right. Give me the guy that in his range of outcomes is running back one. I do believe in Jonathan Taylor's range of outcomes. If you told me if he finished running back one or running back two, I wouldn't sit here and tell you you're crazy. I don't believe, I believe Zeke's range of outcomes is probably more like running back five to running back 10 or, or 12. You know, yes. like I don't think he's a top three back anymore. Right. Um, unless they, they really have to improve their offensive line. But I will say, with the amount of work we saw Tony Pollard got get last year, I would expect that to increase. I'd expect Zeke to, to see his touches decrease a little bit more. Um, and the offensive line is not just not good enough to justify it anymore right, either. And I, I, and I think what I was kind of getting at was like, when you're picking, like if you feel as though, you can pick somebody else just well I guess what I'm getting like just because it says like pick X Y and Z player right here because that's what it says to do and it doesn't feel right don't do it don't do it don't do it like it says to pick Mixon at pick eight but and, and you feel as though like Tyreek Hill is going to be better, like, then probably that's what you should do. And I think, I don't know if I said it to you earlier, but I knew I said it in another conversation earlier. So some of what I've been trying to do through mathematical equations, through spreadsheets, through charts, our fantasy league has been in existence for 15 plus years. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be a little bit like professional poker. And what I mean by that is, Obviously, there's an amount of chance, and you can't you can't solve for luck. Luck's luck and and being unlucky is going to happen. Right, you, you get the cards that you're dealt. Right, it doesn't matter how good I am at poker if if I don't get the cards, I don't get the cards. Right, like that just is, and if someone does, they do. Um, but the reality is, is having some skill means you can be better than chance, and what I've been trying to solve is how are there certain people better than chance more frequently? Right. Because that's the reality is, is no matter what over a long enough timeline, if you flip a coin, you're going to hit heads 50% of the time and tails 50% of the time. But um, how are some people able to get 55 or 50 or 60? You know, mm-hmm. like, and, and what does successful mean? And really, it comes down to decisions. It doesn't come down to a preference at drafting a certain position. It really doesn't come down to a preference uh, or, or um, I'm trying to think of like how to do it, like drafting players that outperform their, their draft capital. 
that isn't necessarily it so much as it is just like decisions round by round that increase your points scored, you know, mm-hmm. like at the end of the day and, and we, we, I have for years because it got me success for an extended amount of time, um, got really obsessed about position scarcity and fading quarterback and really just trying to optimize getting the harder to predict players. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I don't know that that is doing me good. It did me well for about a five-year stretch. And now I'm in a different set of five years where it's not really doing me well. Right. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm entering into a new form of philosophy, which is the reality is, is position scarcity matters. But if it mattered that much to everybody, you draft a tight end in the first three rounds. Well, you draft one of the top tight ends in the first two to three rounds, because after you get past the first three to four guys, there's not much to like, right? Like, so position scarcity isn't everything to everybody. But uh-huh. the reality is, is that you do need to score points. Yeah. You know, that's how you win. You need to outscore your opponent. So having a player that gets you points is more important than a player that gets you points in relation to their position. You need points scored total. Yes. And um, letting go of some of those beliefs and walk, not walking away, but not placing so much emphasis on it is going to be difficult. But I do think that part of that is going to be, uh, again, at evaluating range of outcomes, not projection. Right. Projection is supposed to help you make a decision when you're torn between a few guys. Range of outcome should be what you're looking for. Again, a range of outcome for Terry McLaurin versus... Um, T.Y. Hilton, you know, right? Um, which, which, do you, what do you want? And some of that's going to depend on how you've constructed your roster at your first couple picks, but some of it is going to be what do you prefer? And at some point, you're going to say, at this pick, I want somebody with a higher ceiling, and at some picks, you're going to say, I want a safer player, correct? You know, but I do think that, like. Um, We're on the verge with this endeavor with providing some different thoughts, insight and feedback than we did last year. And some of that is because COVID just made me uninterested in doing this level of work, to be honest. Which the, yeah, like I, I totally understand that, but it's like you came back stronger though. Well, I think that, yeah, well, here's the thing is like, I think that I had more time then, but that time was spent, you know, there wasn't much information coming out. You know, there were no camps, there were no mini camps, there wasn't, you know, like, and even at this point of the year, the draft was different. We got, you know, like we actually got to see more of players and um, just the level of and maybe it's because the vaccine is out and people, we feel better about where we're headed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I came back stronger, but also these were ideas that I thought I wanted to do, but COVID really took out that enthusiasm. Yeah. I, that makes sense to me. The, it, it, yeah. Like you're, yeah. 
you're not yeah you're not wrong in um feeling that way i would say because like you didn't it was um what was happening was unpredictable yeah and right. we weren't even sure at so, the time yeah, at this like, time because it was year, un- because it was unpredictable it's like why am i doing this work right like yep yeah i think that and now that you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel a bit, like the work seems worth it. And it's fun. I'm having fun doing it. And last year I just couldn't get motivated to sit down and do it. Yeah. Like I, mean, I did ranks and I blame, stand by right? what I put to paper, you know, like it's not like I didn't do anything, but I didn't write a 7,000 page document last year either, you know, like or 7,000 word documents. Right. Pages. Um, 7,000 <laughs> word document. A, yeah. That would be ridiculous. Pretty big, that'd be long. Yeah. That, uh, I doubt anybody would actually read it, but, um, <laughs> I didn't put together a 7,000 word document that's still growing, you know, like I just didn't have it in me. And what I'm hoping to do before the kickoff of the season is dip my toe in doing projections and is dip my toe into doing some more of the like less sexy part of it. You know, like I feel like the ranks and that even the writing like that stuff is like that's digestible. That's the fun part. The dry part is the projection and and analytics. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. to dip my toe in that this year. But I, I'm hope my hope is that I can hit that as hard as I hit the prediction next year. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But we've got a lot of content coming. I'm looking forward to like, you know, episodes coming up that we talk about some of those those write ups for those players. You know, I'm not going to sit here and read that entire document, but maybe I'll read a write up for a player and kind of give those of you who are listening a peek. It doesn't cost you anything. A peek of what's on the website. Yeah, we're um, you know, like camps are going to be starting soon and. We're going to start getting into the thick of things. So, yeah, like, stay tuned. And there's a lot more content when it comes to fantasy football coming. Yeah. The the reality is, is, like, this was all started as a fantasy endeavor. And then also to talk about and things that both of us enjoy. But the real driving force behind this was tied around fantasy sports. Definitely, was. So, <laughs> for sure was. Yeah, we're and we're entering the height of that time. So we look are. for go. Please go to the website. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, to go check it out. You can come back and tell me I'm an idiot for what I wrote. That's fine, but check it out because it didn't come from nowhere. It didn't I didn't just pull it out of my ass. You know, like there's some. Yeah, there's a lot of research behind this. Yeah, the content is great. It's professional. Um, it's enjoyable. It's entertaining. So, so uh, with that, uh, I'm gonna have a lot of editing to do for this episode. Yeah, you are. This... So it's probably not gonna be up. We're recording this to peel back the wall. We're report- recording this Thursday night. The reality is, I probably won't get this up until Monday. Um, because there's gonna yeah, be a lot I mean, of editing. Th- this was a this was a labor of love. It was. It was a bear. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. 
we'll see. I don't like to post on weekends, so it probably won't be up until Monday. Um, otherwise, guys, check out the website. Um, check out the Facebook page. Check out um, what it is we're, we're, we're doing here because fantasy football is going to be upon us before you realize it. It's really upon us now. Yes, and rewatch Game of Thrones one. <laughs> All right. Until All right. next time. Later. See it.